We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And you can check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com as well. I'm Kyle Fellows, and I am here with Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the podcast. Yeah, great to be back as always. I'm having a blast getting into the potential free agent class, starting to do some draft profiles. But today, Kyle, we really turn a corner in our off-season analysis. Get it? Oh, a corner. <clears throat> you are uh, you're just really excited to get into this, right? Um, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know that the team has been reviewing each position group here on the Packers roster. Last week, Andrew and I covered wide receiver, which was a ton of fun uh, to talk about You know where the Packers are at with this group of wide receivers and speculate a little bit as to how they might get better this offseason at that position. But today, as Andrew has already tipped you off as the listeners, we are back for another in-depth look at the Packers cornerback group, uh, which is pretty good group all around this year, really consistent group for Green Bay. So let's jump right in and uh, get started here with the guys at the top. Yeah, I think it makes sense to start at Jair Alexander. And it's probably fair to say that many of us thought Jair would take a big step forward and start to be discussed as a 
top corner in the NFL in his second season, but that never seemed to happen. He was really inconsistent. There were games he looked like the lockdown corner we were all hoping for, and then there were games where he looked like a typical second-year player. And that's not the worst thing in the world. He He's still very good. And I've heard a lot of projections from around the country that he's a player um, that people around the NFL are keeping an eye on to explode next year. The good news, he only missed one game. The bad news, creating turnovers continues to be a question mark in his game. He had two interceptions and one forced fumble. The Dallas interception basically was tipped directly to him, so it's hard to even count that. And you'd expect a guy who is around the ball as much as Alexander is to make more plays. So if he wants to be considered an elite NFL cornerback, taking the ball away is what separates the greats from the goods. So for me, the most underrated aspect of Jairo's game is actually his tackling. And that's sort of funny because two years ago when I was doing some really lazy scouting on him in Louisville, I thought he was a bad tackler, but he had battled through some injuries this senior season, which affected his form. I heard from some people who followed Louisville football that he actually was a really good tackler. And, you know, some further tape analysis really showed that. And we've all seen, like, how good an assessment that can be that he actually is a good tackler and how wrong I was. Uh, no one should ever throw a wide receiver screen to his side of the field because he's just too quick and he's too physical for that to work. He actually had 58 tackles on the year, 50 of those solo and two tackles for loss. There's certainly plenty for him to improve, but I, I think there's still a ton to be excited about having Jair as corner one. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about corner two, Kyle? Yeah, I think that we thought there was a bigger maybe discrepancy between corner one and corner two coming into the year. And I do think that Jair is still at the top of that pecking order for sure. But we got to talk about Kevin King, uh, who had a pretty good year this year. And I think Kevin is probably one of the least appreciated Packer players on this team. And some of it is warranted because he sometimes plays inconsistently. And consistency is a huge piece of playing uh, NFL cornerback. But my goodness... Kevin King really has become a big playmaker for this defense. He had lots of game-tilting interceptions this season, and he's really a fun player just to watch out there, as you always kind of feel like King is out there to prove himself when he's on the field. Uh, Pro Football Focus wasn't in love with King this season. He was their 64th-ranked cornerback in the league for them. Not great, not horrible. There's lots of guys behind him as well. Uh, But I think the thing that we lose sight of with King is how big of a factor injuries have played in his career career. And it's a big deal that he was able to play basically this entire 2019 season. King only played nine games in his rookie season and six in 2018. That's only 15 games total in those first two seasons. So as far as games played goes, this was essentially King's second year of NFL experience. And so I think we saw some great growth from King this year. And I'm really hopeful that we'll continue to see that growth as he enters the last year of his rookie contract coming up here in 2020. Yeah, and then, you know, you kind of move on. Jair and Kevin King are clearly the one and two. And and number three this year ended up being Teron Williams. And we didn't know what to expect out of the veteran Um coming back for another year in Mike Pettin's scheme. And and we figured he may be a contributor, but I don't know that a lot of us thought that he would end up being the nickel corner full-time. He got a lot of credit for the work he did early in the season, and rightfully slow. 
So <laughs> he played a, val- a valuable role as the nickel corner on defense, and they really needed his leadership. But I personally thought people got a little carried away with how well he actually played. There were times when speed absolutely killed him. And he was a player who always kind of relied on his athleticism during his career. So, like, you know, for me, going back, Tremont, um, you know, I always envisioned the pick six against the Falcons right before the end of the half in the playoff run. Um, all the way to the Super Bowl, that's always going to be one of my favorite Packer memories, period. But it might actually be time to move on this offseason. Perhaps the Packers decide to bring him back on a team-friendly deal because depth at corner is really important. You, you need to be able to have guys that you can trust, and Williams certainly is that. But if he's the slot corner again next season, this defense may see some regression. I think that might be a little bit of a hot take, the the part about the defense taking a little bit of a regression because of uh, Turman's play, maybe those kinds of things. Uh, but I do think that the Packers are in a place where they have to consider age. They have to consider the dollar amount attached to that. Obviously, Turman Williams is playing out of his mind for his age, and so uh, you can do nothing but appreciate that. Uh, but as we move into this next player, I think it is someone that is in that conversation. Can, uh, it, can talk- I jump I, I know you always get mad at me for interrupting you. No. Kyle gets I, really I, I upset. Never, I you never guys don't mad. even know. He yells at me when we stop recording <laughs> about all of this interruption. I just, like, here's what scares me about this, Kyle. Tr- Debo Samuel uh, on jet motion, Tremont okay. trailing behind him, yep. and then okay. the defense getting gashed, right? And teams yep. are going to see this. and. Um, you know, Tremont is very valuable. He's always going to be one of, you know, my favorite Packers, but I just don't, I just don't know if you can count on him to be essentially what is the starting position in the NFL. That's a really good point because I mean, you obviously do see a lot of speed lining up in that position and as, as reliable as a player might be and as valuable as that reliability and that consistency really is at some point, um, it's a young man's sport and you're going to continue to see more and more speed lining up across from him. So it will be interesting to see what the Packers decide to do there, what they value in Tremont as almost that player uh, coach kind of a player at this point in his career. But um, you ready to move on? Yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, man. Way to interrupt me. Gosh, you go Chandon Sullivan. (laughs) Okay. We are going to jump right in here to Chandon Sullivan. Um, Chance Sullivan had to be one of the best surprises for the Packers this year. Very few people would have expected Sullivan to play 378 snaps on defense for this team. He had the big interception in the Dallas game and really just always seemed to kind of be in the right place at the right time. And Green Bay was really fortunate to not need Sullivan more than they did this season with all the health that they had in the secondary. But I think Chandon showed more than enough to prove that he belongs on this team. And as an exclusive rights free agent, I don't see why he wouldn't be back. He's proven that he finds ways to contribute and his contract is going to be very, very reasonable and Tremont Williams you know if he does decide to move on there may be a a case to be made that Shannon Sullivan could be that guy to step in and really have a significant uptick in playing time yeah so you get to talk about the guy who is probably the biggest positive surprise 
for the Packers, um, at least in the quarterback position and maybe overall. Um, And I get to talk about the player who definitely was the most disappointing on the whole team, and that's Josh Jackson. Uh, He played in 113 snaps on defense this season. He recorded six solo tackles. Does that sound like a good use of a second round pick? Ouch, that's bad. (laughs) Yeah, not good. Uh, This one is personally difficult for me because I loved him coming out of Iowa. I just don't think he was ever a very good scheme fit for Green Bay, and that has showed time and time again. You know, if you want to be an optimist, he shows some value on special teams. He's still learning how to play cornerback, and that's an important thing to remember. He really has three years of experience at corner, um, and he still has really great ball skills. So does he have a chance to make the roster next year and contribute? Sure. Could I see him getting flipped for a late-round pick before the season starts? Also, yes. If Jackson did get cut or traded and found himself on a team where his skill set fits better, like a, a place where he could really just keep his eyes on the quarterback, I could see him becoming a solid starter in the NFL. So I want to remain positive about him becoming a key contributor in Green Bay, but his time may be running out very quickly. Yeah, I'm with you. I was a little bit nervous about Josh Jackson coming out um, because there was so much talk about him being a first-round selection, but getting him in the second round was an absolute steal, and Brian Gutekunz getting to double down like that seemed like a great play at the time. Uh, Obviously, you want to get a lot more out of your second-round pick than the Packers are getting. So, again, lots of talent there. Hopefully, 2020 is the year for Josh Jackson, but, uh, you know, 2019 was not the year for one Tony Brown. And I I don't mean to sound disrespectful here, uh, but Tony Brown is almost someone that we would forget about when we go to do this review. And that's kind of crazy considering that there were a lot of people who thought that Brown might push Kevin King even for snaps on the outside uh, this season. So uh, he had a really solid 2018, was a really nice surprise as an undrafted free agent. But of course the Packers released Brown late in this past season. Obviously, we don't know what all went into that decision and what kind of locker room factors played into this because his play on the field was really promising when he was out there. Uh, but Green Bay decided to move on and um, maybe guys like Shannon Sullivan and the flashes that he showed and, uh, you know, Kadar Holman, guys playing behind them, young guys, that probably made it a lot easier to cut the ties with Tony Brown. But still, really, really a surprising and disappointing year for Tony Brown all around. Yeah, and that that's one you know that that hurts me a lot because Tony Brown was I, I was probably that person that you were talking about that was super super high on Tony <laughs> Brown. I thought he was going to turn into one of the better special teams players uh, in the NFC, and that would be his floor. And I thought above and beyond that he could contribute as a nickel or a dime corner. And it never really came to fruition. And then for whatever reason, the Packers jettisoned him. Um, he he didn't really have as good of a year two as his rookie year looked like he was going to have. And so um, certainly disappointing for me. But the good news is the Packers had some players who were able to step in. And, and one of those, you, you just mentioned him, was Kadar Hallman. He was active for four games, so he wasn't asked to do a ton. Uh, and he was only asked to play four defensive snaps. He did play 33 uh, plays on special teams. What we know is Hallman is a tremendous athlete who had to make a steep adjustment to the NFL from Toledo. And like just to play at Toledo, he basically had to beg his way onto the team. He has tools, um, and those are things he was born with. 
but he also had a tremendous work ethic. So I would assume he's going to find a way to have a role on this team next year, even if it's just as a special teamer. I know there were some whispers that he could be the guy who takes that big leap into next season um, and has some meaningful defensive snaps. I'm going to take a wait and see approach on that one. But, you know, we, we see players that do that every single season that sort of come out of the blue and then start taking meaningful snaps. And so it could be Hallman. He, he certainly has the, the tools to do it, and, and I think he's got the desire. Uh, he, he really wants to be playing football. So um, great story. Really rooting for the guy. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, Hallman's a guy that they talked about a lot in, in preseason. And you expect that buzz to kind of be generated around guys that are first, second, and third round picks because that's where you want to get that buzz because you want to feel good about your draft class. But when you start talking about those late round picks like Holman, and you get a little bit of buzz around, you know, how he's performing, that does bode well for their future and how they will, will kind of develop. So we will have to wait and see. And uh, maybe he can take a big step forward next year. That would be a great thing for this team um, going forward. But we kind of talked at the top of the show that this this is a really, really good group for this Green Bay Packers football team. So, Andrew, I'm curious, do you expect many changes, uh, if any, to this position uh, throughout the offseason? Well, personally, I would prefer not using a high draft pick or major free agent dollars on corner. I believe you have to let the young guys develop and there's plenty of history of the Packers finding good depth later in the draft or even undrafted players, as we've mentioned. So even if Tremont leaves, starting Jair and Kevin King with some combination of Hallman, Sullivan, and maybe even Josh Jackson, um, I think that's fine. You could potentially upgrade the depth there with a mid-round pick. Um, and of course, injuries are always going to be a threat with this particular group. But I think you have to invest more resources in the guys who these corners are going to go up against in practice, meaning the wide receiver group, than the group we're actually focusing on today. Yeah, for sure. If we were going to get into some changes that could take place in the offseason, you know, are there free agents that maybe we'd want to talk about as just kind of spitballing what the Packers could do? Yeah, I took a look. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be the higher tier guys that, that are available, and I, I can't see any situation where the Packers are going to touch these players. Um, guys like Bradley Roby, Chris Harris Jr., Logan Ryan, Kendall Fuller, uh, James Bradbury, Mackenzie Alexander, Eli Apple, and even Trey Waynes. This is a guy who's going to get paid way more than you think he is going to. Corners who have shown any competency as being a potential starter in the NFL get paid if they hit free <laughs> agency. So not all those guys will be free agents, but... Um, certainly some combination of them will, and, and they're going to get some contracts that are, are going to make you go, huh? But uh, I, I think getting a bargain at corner is is very difficult, but there are some guys I like as maybe mid-tier type players. There's Jalen Mills, Nevin Lawson, Tremaine Brock. Those three could be options depending on what their price ends up being, but um, they could be enough to upgrade the depth that allows Green Bay to save their draft resources for other positions. Yeah, for sure. If the Packers decided to turn to the draft and uh, make some investments there, there are some guys that I think the Packers could certainly be interested in. Really talented guys at the top. And obviously Jeff Okuda, um, I think we know that Ohio State's 
you produced corners for a long time, and Jeff Okuda is kind of the next guy in that line, and he's the cream of the crop when it comes to the cornerbacks in this draft class. He's frequently mocked to Detroit, uh, but will certainly be a top 10 pick come April. Uh, Joel Marino, who's been a guest here with us on the pod, has compared Okuda to Jalen Ramsey, so he's obviously somebody who's very much out of the consideration for the Packers who will pick late in the first round. Uh, But there are some other names that could at least intrigue Green Bay, um, but I mean, Jeff yeah. Good is definitely a guy I think that we probably can kind of check off as maybe not being available for Green Bay. And and I haven't been able to get off of receivers. I've sort of been stuck in place doing my draft profiles because I just like this receiver class is so crazy. Um, but what I know about Akuda, a lot of it is is from Joe Marino and 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 the draft dudes. And I know like early in the season. Akuda was kind of off of everybody's radar and he started shooting up draft boards. And, you know, if you're a starting corner at Ohio State, people are paying attention to you because of their long history of producing guys that are really good in the pros. And um, he just kept getting better and better and better as the season went on. And now he's turned into this elite force. Not going to be an option for Green Bay, as you mentioned. Um, and I like exactly what you said, mock to Detroit. I think that makes a lot of sense if they don't go quarterback. Hot take there. Um, <laughs> I th- I think Detroit might trade out of that spot for a team that wants a corner or a quarterback. But if they stay there, Akuda is got to be a guy that's really high on their list. And and knowing what Matt Patricia learned from New England, having that dominant cornerback is a really key part of his defense. And Akuda is about as good a prospect as you're going to see. I've heard uh, 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 Daniel Jer- Jeremiah rather um, talk about Akuda, and his comp is actually Stephon Gilmore, who, you know, talking about the Patriots and the Lions connection and all those things, uh, makes all kinds of sense in the world. I think if the Lions play this right, they might be able to just kind of look at the order and figure out, you know what, if we trade out of here, there's going to be a couple quarterbacks that go, and we might be able to go down to five, six, seven, and still get somebody like Akuda. So that'd be a fun matchup for a lot of years if we got to see Akuda and Devontae Adams uh, matching up throughout the NFC North. But, um, uh, really fun player, not going to be a Green Bay Packer, but uh, definitely a talented player that we're going to see come off the board really early. Um, I want to jump down here and look at Christian Fulton uh, from LSU. This is a guy that's probably gone before 30, but I've seen him kind of go in that mid-20 range. Uh, he's six foot, 200, so he has the length and the size that Green Bay has traditionally coveted over the years in their cornerbacks, and he excels in press man coverage and has great ability to click and close on the ball. Some really, really nice traits and really has a couple of special qualities that you're looking for in a corner. He plays really big. Uh, he doesn't shy away from the competition. And the second thing is he's he rarely panics in coverage. Even the times that you see that he's beat, he gathers himself really nicely and recovers nicely. So some really, really nice qualities in Christian Fulton at LSU. Um, just Trevon Diggs is another guy uh, that could interest the Packers. Um, he's from Alabama, 6'2", 205, and is a really physical player who excels at the line and press man. Um, then there's other guys like Florida's C.J. Henderson and OSU's uh, Damon Arnett. Guys that, if you don't value the cornerback position as a top need, but you fall in love with one of these players, it wouldn't shock me if the Green Bay Packers were to look at some of these guys. Um, you look at Kevin King's contract coming up after 2020, and it's a, it's a position group that I think 
fans should be at least familiar with because if there's a guy that Green Bay really likes and the new defensive backs coach Jerry Gray asks for, I could see them making a pick there early in the draft. I, I wouldn't love it, um, but I could totally see it happening. And I guess speaking of Jerry Gray, I guess the other thing that we need to factor in here is that change in coaching staff that we we see in this position. Um, former secondary coach Jason Simmons took off for the same gig with the Carolina Panthers, and Matt LaFleur filled that void with former Viking secondary coach uh, Jerry Gray here. So, Andrew, do you have any thoughts on the Packers hiring Gray? I guess, you know, coaching hires have never really been my forte, but you have to like what Jerry Gray has done in Minnesota. He helped develop Harrison Smith into one of the best safeties in the league. He's taken guys like Andrew Sandejo and Anthony Harris and made them into seemingly impact players. And you can quibble about how Xavier Rhodes was this season, but he was a really, really top-notch corner for quite a while. Trey Waynes and a few other young corners never really developed to what the Vikings were hoping, so that it, that part is a little bit concerning, but certainly no coach bats 100%. And and you have to be so impressed with how he was able to extend Terrence Newman's career. So this is this is where I uh, sort of contradict myself, but maybe there is some hope to keep Tremont around for another year or two. Um, on the surface, it seems like a slam dunk hire, and I like that Mike Pettin and him come from different schemes. So hopefully they can play off of that and learn a little bit from each other as they go. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like a great hire. I'm excited to see uh, what he's able to do with this group. And it's interesting with it coming over from Minnesota. But like you said, the track record is top notch. And I think the impact with the safeties and the quarterback group should be something we notice uh, coming up here in 2020. So just an opinion question. How would you feel if Green Bay picked a corner in, in their top two picks? I would be I would be frustrated initially. Um, I think I think I would have to probably wait a season or two to probably see how it plays out. I think it depends on what what Green Bay thinks about Kevin King. If Green Bay already knows that they think that Kevin King has kind of reached his ceiling and his consistency issues are based on um, maybe his mental processing and not some skill issues or uh, some technique things, and they kind of know that, then I think if Christian Fulton falls. I think he could be a really nice pair with uh, with uh, Jair Alexander. But for me, I think there's so many other holes on this roster that I think you're playing like two years down the road and maybe not for the, the present. And I think that that's what they need to do. So for me, it would be really frustrating in round one. Round two, it just kind of depends on what the value is there. Um, but I, I would say that I would be disappointed. What about you? Yeah. Well, I, I, I think I would be in the same boat, right? Like if it's a if it's a solid player, if somebody's sliding and and you think they're a really good value and potentially replace somebody down the line, you'd be excited about that. Um that's a very Ted Thompson like mentality though. Um and Gutekunst has shown that he's not afraid to pick a guy who's really highly rated that is in a position of need, which is kind of a, a slight variation of what Thompson was looking at. And for me, with this class, there's going to be a wide receiver available at 30 that probably has a, a mid first round grade. And I, I think you have to take advantage of that if it's there. Um, so you and I were kind of joking around on Twitter, but I'm, I'm kind of falling in love with this idea of taking receiver in the first and taking receiver in the second and just saying, <laughs> we're going to score a lot of points. Like we're, we're going to have these like twitchy fast guys that are going to disrupt the flow of your offense. And then Devonte Adams is just going to kill you over the middle. 
Sternberger and Adams are each going to have a thousand yards because we're just going to line two guys up on the outside and have them run nines down the field and, and no safety coverage in the middle. Right. Cause we're just yeah. going to be sending Brandon Ayuk deep on every play. <laughs> Andrew Mertig is just uh, painting beautiful pictures um, for Packers fans right now of what is to come, but we will, we successfully moved from cornerbacks to wide receivers. I only want to okay. talk wide receivers. That's all I'm scouting. <laughs> I will I'm say, asking. I will say, I've done some uh, mock draft simulations, and I will say that the drafts where I've passed on wide receiver in the first round, thinking that oh, I'll just take one in the second round because it's a super deep, deep class. The fall off is still pretty significant. Um, there's some great players. Van Jefferson is a guy I love, but man, I, I just think. If if you're convinced that you need to upgrade that position and you don't address it in free agency, I think the first round is a place to do it. And I think the Packers may regret not making that move if the right guy is there. So maybe not a cornerback, maybe their counterpart on offense uh, should be the, the move that the Packers make here in the 2020 draft. Yeah. So I, I sneak wide receivers into every conversation that we have. So that was just a little sneak peek. But- <laughs> People are going to be annoyed that we're talking about the draft already, but that's okay because the combine is in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I've been doing is releasing some draft profiles on Twitter every couple of days. So if you like to check those out, please do. Honestly, like on top of the scouting, like actually posting them with the videos on Twitter is an extra time consuming step that I don't really want to do if people don't interact. So people aren't interested. No hard feelings. I, I will just go back to my <laughs> scouting all alone in my office. But um, th- those interactions are awesome when they do happen. So if, if you like that, check me out on Twitter. Um, and Kyle and I have a lot of time to talk about the offseason. Not as much as last year, which is awesome. But I know we're really excited to dive into this. And, and we're going to be spending a lot of time doing some unique things. So um, engage with us on, on Twitter because we'll be trying to include viewers, or I should say listeners, um, into some of the things that we're doing throughout the offseason. So um, that is all the time that we have for today. This has been Packaday Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Packer underscore Pundit, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. On tomorrow's episode, we're going to be getting a breakdown of the 2019 performance by the safeties. You can catch Kyle and myself every single Friday. Next week, we'll be taking a look at how the Packers offseason is going to preview. So we'll be talking a little bit of re-signings, maybe previewing free agency, and certainly some draft coverage as well. Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... Hi, this is Nick Schmitz, one of the hosts of a Pack-A-Day podcast. Since you're a fan of the Green Bay Packers, you are probably a fan of Friday Night Fish Fries. It's a staple of Wisconsin heritage, and we want to let you know how you can support Friday Night Fish Fries. You can do this through supporting The Farmery. The Farmery is a non-profit aquaponics farm and fish hatchery, and they are excited to launch their state-of-the-art yellow perch fish hatchery in downtown Green Bay. The hatchery will produce fish that aquaculture farmers can grow out and produce for your family's Friday night fish fry. In partnership with the Green Bay Packers and the Greater Green Bay Community Foundation, the Farmery has been selected to receive matching funds as part of Give Big Green Bay, a 24-hour online giving event designed to rally the community around local nonprofits. 
From noon on Tuesday, February 18th through noon on Wednesday, February 19th, you can make your donation to the Farmery at www.givebiggreenbay.org. The Green Bay Packers and the Greater Green Bay Community Foundation will match every donation, which will provide high-quality learning experiences such as internships, job shadowing experiences, field trips, and community tours of the new facility. Donate online at www.givebiggreenbay.org and search The Farmery. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.